Hello and welcome to Winning in Work, the podcast taking you from rat race to happy place. Winning in Work is all about showcasing inspirational career journeys and proving that you really can love the work you do and do the work you love. Follow me, Nikki Thomas, international career coach and podcast host, as we meet the amazing people who have created lives they love. Our show guests are no different to anyone else in this world, but they do have a dream and they know they can make their dreams a reality. If you want a career and life you love, subscribe and follow this podcast and join us as we prove it is possible to win in work. Hi, welcome to Winning in Work. So today I have um, Sarah Tuck with me from CoLiberate. And this is, as it's Mental Health Awareness Week as well here um, in New Zealand, and beyond, I really wanted to speak to Sarah and talk about um, basically mental health um, in the workplace. And Sarah with CoLiberate has created basically first aid training um, in the fight for better mental health in New Zealand. Um, So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And you created CoLiberate a few years ago um, Mm -hmm. with uh, your co-founder Bob Murdoch. Yeah, I've got two co-founders, Jody Burrell and Bob. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. So, what what started CoLiberate? How did this all begin? <laughs> um, well, I, I love telling this story. Actually, <laughs> um, we um, actually started before CoLiberate started. Us three were working together, making and devising physical theatre shows of big collaborations with a lot of um, people. And we weren't necessarily working with actors. We were just kind of bringing in people who were really invested in um, exploring ideas through theatre. Um, and within, we, we, we had a company called Patter Cake Productions. And it was cool. We, um, we kind of came together as a group and what this magic would happen where people would feel really seen and heard and their ideas and really valued and there'd be a feeling of purpose and a feeling of belonging and we just were looking at how to make our theatre company more financially viable for us since the arts industry in New Zealand is, is, is that's a fight to be <laughs> financially sustainable um, and we we just kind of took those things of magic and thought well where are other places in New Zealand where there's a collection of humans that also need to feel valued and heard and their ideas and seen and feel a sense of belonging? We're like, well, workplaces. Um, and what's a way in which you can access that feeling of belonging and connection and purpose that's also not at work and not in an exclusive theatre-making process? Where do you go in society, you know, community to actually access that Um, and then that that brought on our um, idea first idea of a mental health gym so it's a space that you can go and access um, to work on your mind and emotional health and connect with other people um, in a really low cost easy way that's how we began the transition yeah (laughs) a mental health gym yeah it's perfect (laughs) yeah um and we, we got given a free space in Wellington City. It was um, a, a space that was up for lease. It was an old law firm office. And in between the, like, it, it being leased out, we got to occupy it 
and run this experiment of a mental health gym in the middle of the city. And um, the landlord was just so on our side that we had it, we're supposed to have it for five weeks and we ended up having it for 18 months. Wow. Yeah. So we really um, tested the idea of like how to invite people in to um, focus on our mental health and emotional health in a really normalized, fun, cool, accessible way. Um, and it really won. <laughs> wow. I really love that. And I think that's, it's, it's so important that we train because it is mental health gym is training the mind as well as, you know, we go to the gym, loads of people go to the gym and you sort of train your body or you, you know, you enlist coaches or therapists or all these kinds of things that you do to help yourself. But to actually work on your mental health as a gym and a train, it's almost training a muscle is, Mm. yeah, it's quite quite ingenious in a way. I really love that. Yeah, and we just found, like, I think one of the problems that we were tackling at the time is, like, on a personal level, some of us who were, who were waiting for counselling were on eight-week wait lists. And mm-hmm. and it's like, where do people go in those eight weeks to support themselves? What do you do for eight weeks while you're waiting for further support? Um, and we were like, that, that wait list may never, like, our mental health system is... Um, really stretched and there needs to be something that's a little bit more social culturally accepted as a as a place that you could go to to then perhaps get the support you need and then be able to go back to your world and your life um, rather than feeling like you've got to stop your life to work on your mental health and then eventually build your life back up yeah well that's one of the things that you know really did um I guess highlight to me in New Zealand especially in New Zealand how how bad it's got um one of the things that I was reading recently was um the 2019 budget Mm. and it was and there the numbers from the Ministry of Health came through at 15,000 people were in uh went to the emergency departments um with you know experiencing mental health crises um Mm. and suicide and you know, when you look at the population numbers of, you know, 5 million, uh, 5, 6 million, and you look at that, 15,000 people is such a huge number. Mm. Um, and then you've also got all the people, as you say, that aren't on the lists that are struggling at home on mm. their own. Um, you know, they're the only number, <laughs> those are the only people that, you know, when you look at the numbers, they're the people that have gone actively to get help. And there's yeah. loads of people that are suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is, um, you know, is in workplaces and having something, a place for people to go is is needed for, as you say, mm. the people that are on the waiting list, the people that, you know, aren't aren't ready to go and get that help for the people mm. that 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 need, yeah, that need some just some sort of support or some sort of guidance. Yeah, and we, um, I guess there's this perception, I think, in New Zealand culture around mental health being, um, like, it's quite binary. It's either you're really unwell or you're not, and um, it's you've got a mental illness or you don't, and at Calibrate we talk about mental health being a continuum, and so actually at one end you've got thriving, at the other end you've actually got highly distressed, and you can be in your experience of life, you can be anywhere on that continuum in any given moment on any given day. Like it, it's 
it's it's more about what our supports look like when we are at those spots on any given time rather than being like oh yes I'm unwell and I've got to go to this place it's like actually how can we adapt our lifestyle depending on where we're sitting on that continuum because mm. it is a gray area but for ourselves we kind of can learn to know how we are in any given moment like I was actually just reflecting because on Monday I went from thriving to distressed and um and in a moment, just something triggered me and it just triggered a distress response. And in those moments, I was like, I need these supports to help me out. And then kind of got back to coping and doing okay and kind of bounced back from that. But you just never know when something's going to pop up into your day that's going to bring on a reaction for you or, or bring on a response that you you aren't entirely in control of. And it's just about knowing how to support yourself in those moments and knowing who your people are that you can reach out to in those moments rather than always feeling like you have to diagnose yourself with, with, with something, you know, it's more just about your experience of life. Anyway. Yeah. I think that, and I think that's actually something that I think a lot of us forget um, is that you, it's, it's an ongoing, I say it's an ongoing battle, but it is an ongoing battle that you have with your mind, especially you know, things such as COVID and things that, you know, just everyday life stresses. And mm. it's not about, it's not about just ignoring them or just being able to deal with them. It's actually exactly as you say, it's acknowledging it and then putting the techniques in place to, 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 to move through it. Um, mm. And I think that's actually it. It's not about just ignoring it and just acting like you're fine all the time it's just it's about experiencing it and going and knowing the techniques to deal with it yeah um which is kind of how we um kind of came into running mental health first response and first aid courses is that we a lot of people who would come into our gym space um recognized it as a safe space that you could come to um, even if you didn't want to attend one of the well-being sessions that we had on it's just a space that you can come to have a cup of tea and know that you'll be greeted with um, positive regard and um, a lot of people would come in in a state of distress and given that we we'd done a bit of suicide prevention training and and um, you know a first aid course physical first aid we found ourselves that we were actually not entirely equipped to respond to people in a state of distress we we kind of knew that we could call 111 or we knew that we could listen um, and, and provide a cup of tea. And there were some tools that we did have and picked up along the way. But we kind of always wanted to know the right way to do something or what's the best practice in terms of getting connecting someone to further support. And so that's when we were like, well, well there must be a mental health first aid equivalent because that's what first aiders do, right? It's um, someone collapses and you're not expected to have – give them heart surgery but you are expected to connect them to further support as quickly as possible um same for mental health it's like we're not expected to diagnose or therapize but we are expected we can connect that person to further support either immediately or you know within a few weeks and find what supports for them belong in between and we were like, where do you go to get that in the um it, it wasn't anywhere in new zealand well there was a um uh, the DHB in Auckland had a license from Australia to deliver mental health first aid just in that community. Um, and 
we kind of just inquired to them and then they ended up um, extending the license for us to deliver that anywhere within New Zealand, especially within organisations, because that's where most of our demand was coming from um, when we launched. And wow. yeah, we just we just kind of had a platform and hit the ground running and have never looked back. Um, and it's just making a massive impact in New Zealand. Um, out of the a thousand people that we've trained um, in our recent impact report and impact study, it's shown that they're having 3.2 conversations, supportive conversations per week. Um, and that's either responding to someone in the moment or connecting them to further support, which when you calculate that, that's about 320,000 conversations happening each year that are improving lives and saving lives. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So the impact so, is, is huge. It, it really is. I mean, I'm. there are lots and lots of people that... Um, you know, will go through go through life, um, and they're either in jobs or you know they set up their own businesses. But the way that Colibrate has, well, has sort of been created. What was it that made you that made you go into this area, and you know, from you know, from you know, as you say, it was meant to be a a five week. Um, yeah. To, to now being a full-blown business that mm-hmm. you know you are you are you know changing the lives of for a lot of people and changing a lot of workplaces to realize the importance of mental health mm. yeah I um <laughs> when you put it like that it's quite amazing to see the um the kind of like uh, the trajectory of being like, oh, we'll just do this, and oh, we'll just do this, and then oh, we'll just do this, and then eventually, like, oh, wow, we're really doing this big, massive thing. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think my my why has really set in um, seeing a lot of people in my community and a lot of my friends who have just really struggled in their lives and not knowing. Not, and me personally not knowing how to support them, um, not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, not knowing like the right amount of, um, you know, intervention. Um, yeah, just basically just feeling really, really unsure. And the drive to become confident in my own practice, I realised just how, I, like, I don't, I didn't need a seven-year psychology degree to understand how to ask someone if they're okay and how to respond in a way that's actually empowering for the individual. <laughs> um, and I don't discredit any work that mental health professionals do. I think they do an amazing job and they're a really important part of our system. But there's an intermediary which is missing. It's a big gap that we're looking to fill. And um, the more and more people I talk to are like, yes, I want to know how to, like, on one level, just support my family want to support my friends and then it extends out to being like actually I can support someone in my workplace and we realize that community is so linked and connected with one another that yeah the, the skills really ripple out and translate in different environments mm. yeah so it sounds think, like you have a lot yeah. of people that attend that are um you know that attend your your first aid tra- uh, mental health first aid training that is from a whole mix of different backgrounds when you're saying that they're there to help 
you know their friends or their family mm. or colleague um mm. yeah there's there are people from all walks of life yeah absolutely and I think in maybe in New Zealand especially we have a whole range of different organizations that we work with and charities as well and other organization doing lots of impact focus work and um I guess there's there's um there's quite a lot of inequality in New Zealand and I think that we really like to support people who are working in low income areas and low socioeconomic and um and also I guess a lot of people challenge why you would work in a corporate market when a lot of the sport is needed in like schools or with youth or with some of our high risk areas and we're always like well organizations have humans too and actually they've got a lot of power in decision making and they make a lot of the decisions for our most vulnerable and actually we need to also educate and help people understand what best support looks like so they can help understand what everyone needs in our country Um, and kind of do that advocacy work by looking at um, yeah supporting people to understand what understand how to understand each other really yeah yeah massively I mean I I worked in corporate for years and the whole reason why I created um winning in work was because I I just had I worked around so many people that were so desperately unhappy um Mm. and it almost became it became a thing it it was almost that it was that it was normal for everybody to hate Mondays and wait for Friday and Mm. and it was it was actually a little bit soul destroying and Mm. you know there was always drama in the office that always resulted in you know somebody losing their job or Mm. you know people being bullied and there was just so much drama Mm. and just just made the job a lot harder than it had to be to be honest You know, and I just remember there was always, you know, people being signed off with stress, um, you know, getting doctor's notes because it was just, you know, when you get yourself in, there are some some workplaces, unfortunately, that just, you know, they they just haven't really grasped the point of, you know, making the workplace better for their employees. Um, so that's where winning in work came mm-hmm. from. It just came from years and years of being in workplaces, looking around and realizing how unhappy people were, and and then yeah. take home creating sort of difficult work um, home home yeah. living. Um, yeah, it. I I totally get when you say that you know you do it for the corp uh, you know and there's a corporate element to it, but it's because it almost ricochets on everything else. Yeah, it does. It really does ripple out. Um, and I I think. I think there was a time where it was normal to, you know, personal and work lives were really separate. But mm. I think just the world has evolved so quickly, and especially in the last year, like we're working from home. There's no way we can really keep things separate anymore. Like a lot of our personal lives always impact, like it affects how we are and affects how we show up to work. And I, I constantly think about the... Um, expectation for people to bring their baggage to work, leave it at the door and then pick it up on your way out and I just think sometimes I'm actually, I know most of the time you should bring that baggage up the stairs 
ask someone to be like, I don't know what's so heavy in here, but can you help me figure it out? Open it up, being like, oh, it's this thing. Okay, let's look at this thing. Let's shut the shut it back up and then let's talk about this thing for five minutes. And I guarantee that person will have a better time at work. And it just doesn't take long. But we have this, we, per, we perceive that conversations about our mental health or emotions take a long time and that we have to therapize people, that we have to really listen. Like actually when we are skilled to listen actively, reflect back, validate someone's feelings and then ask them what support they need, it, that, that's a conversation that can take five minutes. <laughs> um, and it really does help people continue on with their work and continue on with their days and not take that stress home. That is a really good point. I really mm. like that. And it, it, it is that whole, you get told it throughout your life, I find, when people say you've got two ears and one mouth. Um, <laughs> I love that. So <laughs> but it's really true. And it is that just by listening to somebody, you can, it takes five minutes out of your day, um, but it, complete, it can completely change, change how someone else is feeling. Mm, yeah. 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 I think in New Zealand there's a real rescue culture as well. Like we like to save people. Like we really like to fix things. We really like to make people feel better. Like that's one thing about New Zealand culture that I love is that anyone will be like, oh, look, I'll get you a cup of tea. I'll get you a plaster. Like there's an immediate solve there. And I think that motivation is good, but we just need to know how to use that in the right way for um, people experiencing mental health or experiencing distress because I think there is a, a, a supportive, empowering way to go about that rather than just trying to fix someone's problems without them being heard and seen and listened to and validated first. Mm, yeah. yeah, very yeah. true. So yeah. one thing I do want to ask, I think, is, and this yeah. leads on exactly from what you were saying, is um, what are the best techniques, I, I say best techniques, but what, can you give a few techniques on what to do if you do, you know, if you, it's either in yourself or you notice somebody else is going through sort of a level of distress, how, what do, I know it's the listening, but what, what is it that you, that you would recommend for somebody to do in these situations? If someone was, if you noticed that someone was seeing distress or in distress, what, what would yeah. I do if I noticed? Um, what I would do is that I would probably approach in a, a polite way <laughs> and say, mm. hey, you, you don't seem yourself today. Um, is, there, is there anything you need? Or would you like some support? And I think asking those two questions still create a choice for the person to say, yeah, I need to be left alone. Or um, yes, I would like support. Or um, yeah, it's like a, it's. I think even if someone's in distress, they still have their own autonomy and capacity. To we have to believe that they have the capacity to ask what they need, um, and to be really, really patient in that. Mm. Um, but I think those two sentences have really, really changed my way of supporting people. Just asking them what support looks like for them now in this moment, and is there anything you need that I can get? I can do yeah because I think actually you're right it's almost it still empowers that person it doesn't feel like you know they're being forced to do anything mm. they're just 
given the opportunity to make a decision, um, which I think when you are in that situation, or I know that when I when I've been in that situation, just having knowing that somebody is there makes mm. a huge world of difference. And I've really, I think, the last six months I've struggled probably more so than I have in a mm. long time. Um, moving countries and going through sort of COVID and even being away from um, sort of my my closest friends and family. Um, yeah. I know that uh, sort of moving over from the UK, I know that I found it very hard and there have been times where you can't always articulate why you feel the way that you feel. You know, you just know that you feel that way. Mm. And it's it's almost just knowing that somebody's there for you to provide support. You know, mm. even if you're just, you just want to just cry it out and just get that sort of release almost. Mm. It's just knowing that you, yeah, that somebody, some you've got the option and mm. you can always you say, say, no, I just need some time on my own um, yeah. or, or ask for the help and ask for the support. Ask for the support, yeah. Another um, thing we talk about at Collaborate is, I guess, one of our ultimate um, visions is that every single person has a trusted someone that they that they trust will, will notice when they're having a hard time or can go to them when they're having a hard time and say, hey, I'm having a hard time, and they know that this person will respond in the way they need. And so mm. I think, um, I guess, a, well, it's, it, it's a strong, um, I strongly encourage um, everyone to know exactly where that trusted support lies, um, like who is it in your workplace or who is it in your home or who is it in your friend group or who is it just in your life that you can ask them to be your trusted someone to say, these are the reasons I may come to you with something. Here's a code word. If I come to you, I'd love you to say this thing or I'd love to have your support and I'd love to trust that you'll be able to offer it. Or trust you'd be able to be like, oh, I can't right now, but in five minutes I can, <laughs> and and actually make a request of someone to be that person. And I think if there's no one that comes to mind, then there are some immediate like um, helplines as well in New Zealand that will eventually be able to listen to what's going on for you and respond and get you the support that you need. So yeah. Yeah. I like I've actually, I've actually used one of the helplines mainly just because mm. I needed somebody impartial um, to talk to. Mm, um, great. And I um, and it was actually my partner just said that give these guys a call because I can't help and I know that these people these people are trained to. Mm. And I um, and initially I did it so that I was I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go ahead and I'm really glad that I did. Um, you know and I'm quite happy to say you know I definitely advocate it like it's a very good mm. it's good if you want if you feel like you don't know who to talk to about something they are mm. fantastic in terms of yeah um, you know, as you know just even if you don't want to talk and you just just sit in silence for a minute and just have them ask the right questions um it really it's really helpful but that's actually one thing that I think people don't always realize that there are these helplines that operate 24 hours a day seven days a week and you can call at any time and there will always be somebody on the other end of the phone for you yeah yeah I think those helplines are really really great also um and it's awesome that you that you called um 
I think that's part of the thinking that, you know, you have to be really unwell to call one of those hotlines. Hotlines, I say, <laughs> um, helpline. Um, I could be a hotline, you know. Um, but, yeah, you have to be really unwell, but you don't. Um, it's like it's actually if that's what support looks like for you in that moment, then use that support. It is there. It is free. It is um, It is welcomed and encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true. And I think actually you, that's exactly it, is that at one point I did think, well, I'm I'm – I'm not actually in I'm I'm distressed but I'm I'm not really in a really really bad place um but actually I at that time I did I just needed support from somebody else um mm. that was in my household um yeah and I think that's exactly it it's you don't always need to be you know as I say, in sort of in a real high distress state, but just by talking, you, you could just be a little bit lost and just need, just need a little bit of support. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, support is incredibly individual um, and it doesn't just have to be professional support. Supports could be, um, you know, definitely finishing work at 5pm so you can go home and have enough time to cook dinner and unwind from your day. You know, support could look like going to the sauna every day um, and I think support can be a mix of self-care um, that's really specific to whatever it is that makes you feel good and co-care so who are the, the people in your life that you can trust that will be there for you and, um, that connection with someone else mm. yeah so I do have, um, I do need to ask who your mm. safety netters are, because um, I know you, I know that this is some, an area that you also work in, and I found this quite interesting when it comes down to, um, you know, the people that are, you know, support, and support can be seen in so many different ways, mm. um, but I heard about safety netters, and I thought I need to ask you more about this. Okay. Um, who are the safety netters in you, in, in life? In life. Um, did we talk about safety netters earlier? In the, or is this? Can you tell me a bit more about what you mean by safety netters? Yeah, sure. It's more sort of you know the people that can help. Um, sort of on on the they're always on the side. They could be counted as. Um, people that work in sort of hairdressers or oh yes yeah that sort of area yeah oh yeah we were talking about um with mental health first response um we really looked into supporting people who we call invisible safety netters which are um people who work one-on-one with people who are somewhat social workers in disguise like hairdressers or, you know, massage therapists, or even, like, people who work at the supermarkets um, and the checkouts. Like, there are actually some real important people in our world that are providing that sense of connection for people. Um, I think especially throughout lockdown and COVID, um, supermarket workers were people's only point of um, connection and human, like, human interaction. Um, and I, yeah, I think that the work, it's like actually 
they're not therapists, but people do really trust them to share a little bit more about their lives. Um, and yeah, for me, I mean, I I, I feel um, I, I have a I feel able to share how I am with anyone, really, knowing that I've got the tools for myself to support myself, and I really love to share and be vulnerable because I find that that provides a level of honesty towards myself that I I really need to be honest with myself about how I am um, but I've got a lot of my work colleagues and my safety netters for me um, in terms of I feel fully able to share with them whatever is going on in any given day and I'm truly grateful for having a workplace in which I can show up as myself and share how I am no matter what's going on and know that I'll be heard and listened to um, and even though that's not their main job to um, support me, <laughs> um, it's it's just something that they're willing to do because, you know, we all want each other to have a really good time. And if I'm miserable, I'm not going to be any fun to work with, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's it. You're, you're 100% right. You've got to, you've got, you've got to, in you know, be... I'm just saying when I say be happy and I don't mean it as in you've got to fake it. I mean that you've got to be happy in your surroundings, happy in your situation and know that you've chosen um, a life that I guess, and a workplace as well, by the sounds of it as well, um, that, that works for you and, and is true to you as well. Um, mm. I think that makes a huge, huge difference and being able to you know show up as yourself and, know that you have that support and that guidance from the people around you it just makes it a better workplace for everybody it's it's just a lot more I guess collaborative and yeah mm. you, you can be yourself. yeah so yeah. what so out of your company and you know you have created um you know it's it's not just a business that helps other businesses it's you also you know all of those values and beliefs are all held deeply within co-liberate as well mm, yeah so you know what what can I guess what kind of um I say advice or support would you give to other businesses that want to create to create that sort of atmosphere within their own businesses mm. well um Maybe I could just use our example from this year. I mean, given this year, like um, a lot of small businesses have been through massive, uh, having massive times, just uh, responding and adapting to lockdown and COVID. And um, we we came up, it was actually one of my co-founder, Bob, has a mentor who kind of shared this, this metaphor that we've really taken and run with, <laughs> which I'll share with you now. It's, um, it's, as an organisation, we, we, we kind of constantly think that we need to um, standardise things and put things in place so we feel really solid and stable. And, and she was like, well, actually, at the moment, you kind of have to be more like a wobble board because we are in such uncertain territory. And actually, what are your core muscles of the organisation and what is going to help you stay strong on that wobble board? And we were like, well, our people are our biggest resource. And actually making sure that our people feel 
um, really resilient within themselves, but also in like in between the relationships between each other. Like I think resilience exists um, in between, not just within. <laughs> Um, and actually how can you build strong connections with all the people within your team um, as a way to and, and build flexibility and adaptability and um, yeah support people to um, figure out what their personal supports are so therefore if something does happen um, they feel much more able to cope um, yeah actually putting some resource and money into yeah supporting my team I think has been a really big shift this year not that we didn't support our team last year but I think just like having a lot more team days and um, team meetings and being like let's have this meeting face to face even though we can have it on zoom but we know that connection is going to really support people to just um, enjoy their work a little bit more and yeah it's just making some really strong choices that may seem more expensive on the outside but they do have a much stronger return on investment and um it's really worked for us because our team is super um, adaptable and flexible and and now it's it, it kind of with the unpredictability of work for us working in organizations it's like we can say yes to something and then hand it over and then they go okay how are we going to deliver this and it's like building that flexible muscle is like part of our core strength I like that yeah that's really really good and yeah you uh, when you were saying about a wobble board and I was thinking and then you said about the muscles I was thinking exactly that about yeah. having those core muscles that you know cause it really does work <laughs> work you, you know your entire body in a way yeah, um, yeah and I think like really when you've got all of you on a wobble board if one person like gets off you're all gonna <laughs> you, you have to rearrange yourselves um and and, you know, staff changes and restructuring, those are massive shifts within an organisation that do test us. They are changes. Change does um, put us on edge sometimes. <laughs> um, and it's okay just to acknowledge that and say, okay, we need to reshuffle or we need to um, bounce back or make sure that this wobble board is strong and that our core muscles are strong so we can withstand anything. Yeah. I think that's it. One of the big things I read recently from a um, from a business owner um, who works in um, uh, more retail was that he he said he actually said it's an adapt or die model now. Wow. Um, yeah, and he was like, you know, we have to adapt, and and that's one thing that I think a lot of a lot of people are going at the very beginning of all of you know when COVID when we were going into lockdown everybody was saying well you know we'll just ride out lockdown and then we'll come out the other end and we'll all be fine mm. um we very quickly realized that actually with all of this uncertainty there is a level of adapting and it's adapting on all levels not just not just not just on the business owners but it's making sure that your people are doing okay as well mm. um and as you say extra team days and having those face-to-face -face team meetings because even though you can do it on Zoom, because you can and because you still need that connection. Yeah. I think a lot of businesses talk about their people and unfortunately, it, when it actually comes down to it, their people, you know, they can, dare I say it, but swap in and swap out as and when needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I really love that and the, and and even the visualisation of, you know, the team on the wobble board 
all together and how one even one team member can affect everybody else on that wobble board and mm. you know it, and it affects the entire business it's yes yeah, it's, it's a really brilliant way to look at it mm. yeah it's, it's definitely helped us especially when you know something goes wrong or like our our office is shutting is closing its doors um we're in a big co-working space and so we have to move and I think if we didn't feel so adaptable and flexible and 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 connected um I don't think this transition would be as smooth (laughs) yeah Um, and things yeah things just come up all the time that we have to respond to it's it's important to be able to connect over those rather than resent each other or you know choose to disconnect from people to you know do it your own way I think I think actually being connected and is is just much more faster and effective and better for everyone's mental health (laughs) yeah and it's really that simple you know when you say it like that it it is extremely simple but it seems to be something that that needs to be learned um in a lot of businesses today and yeah and it's almost a change of attitude and a change in you know structure and the way it's always been done before Mm. I think some people have a, a um their needs clash so needs are like fundamental to our safety um and someone's need might be autonomy I need to do it my way and I need to do it my way and only me and someone's in, in the team's need might be connection. And those those two needs kind of can clash. But if you understand each other's needs, then at least you've got connection in that. Um, and I think a lot of us don't actually recognise what our needs are at any given time and not realising that, like, um, yeah, the, uh, that, that it might be different from what someone else needs. <laughs> yeah 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 definitely I think it's a really lovely way to close as well um Mm. to say exactly um yeah I think actually a lot of people don't realize their own needs or even putting their needs first which Mm. is probably a big reason going full circle as to why it's extremely important um for businesses such as yours such as collaborate to Mm -hmm help so many people um especially almost that lost middle those people that you know that are that are reaching out and asking for help and the businesses that you know that that have people in their in their company that that are calling out for help so yeah I think what you do is absolutely amazing Sarah Mm, thank you appreciate that so for businesses and people listening to the podcast, for um, for them to contact you, what are your um, what are your details? Mm, um, well, we have a website. You can look up collaborate.co.nz. Um, and then on there you can contact us through hello at collaborate.co.nz. You want to flick us an email. Um, we are on most of the social channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and, yeah, we, we, love, we love having coffees. So if, especially you're in Wellington, um, and I guess this is the privilege of no longer we're being in, in level one now, um, is that 
yeah, we're happy to have a coffee with anyone who wants to talk more about what we do or how we can support your organisation. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sarah, and thank you for your time. Um, yeah, it's been really lovely talking to you today. Yeah, you too. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to Winning in Work. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe or give us a follow and don't forget to leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram under the handle Winning in Work. Thank you.